today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I want to introduce you today to Aiden Mobley, if you don't know Aiden. We've asked one of our students to come and read our scripture for us today. Would you read along with Aiden as he uh, reads the Word of God to us? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the, pure, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we just pray you'd help us to take it seriously, to look deeply in our own hearts, uh, to see our spirits, Father, and to be a people submitted completely to your word. Help us to understand what we don't understand, to comprehend, Father, the fullness of your intent, and to be led for you that we may experience the blessing of your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, uh, we started a series of messages on being built to last, building our spiritual lives in a way that no matter what storm comes our way, no matter what trouble comes our way, that our faith is secure and solid and we know who we are before God. Jesus speaks to the core issues of his kingdom and of life in his kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to take a look at this uh, from now through Labor Day, looking at the passage of Scripture that Aiden just read for us uh, that we call the Beatitudes. And then on Wednesday nights, we're going to look at the rest of the Sermon on the Mount throughout the fall of the year. Now, I want us to capture some of the truth of this. Jesus starts this message uh, with the word blessed. And then he uses this word nine times throughout the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I want you to capture this because it's so important. God wants our souls to be satisfied. He wants us to have a spirit where we are content in who He is and who we are, and we feel the joy and sense, the joy and fulfillment of His presence. The Greek word for blessed is makarios. It, makarios. it, it means happy, fortunate, blissful. This is the word that Jesus gives us nine times in the beginning of this message. But blessed carries a deeper meaning than simply happy because of circumstance. Blessed is a spirit satisfaction that comes from being saturated with the presence of God. It doesn't come because everything is going smoothly. It it comes because we know 
and walk in the presence of God. It's a peace that passes understanding. This is the kind of happiness that is a gift of God to those who have a right spirit. Now, there are two truths about Makarios that you need to understand. The first truth is this, and that is that Makarios, it means we are, that it's a blessed that is dependent upon God. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent upon God to move in our spirit. And when we are dependent upon God, that overrides the other things that happen in our life when we know him and walk in him. Here's the second thing that we have to know about it. Blessed is dependent on the heart being right towards God. I can't experience the blessed spirit. I can't experience the soul satisfaction that comes only from God unless my heart is right towards God. So here is the real insight. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be happy. And Jesus shows us the pathway to a spirit-empowered life, to soul satisfaction, that we're going to look at over these next weeks and really explore in depth. How we seek the, how we seek the satisfaction outside of the presence of God, when we do that, we are building on sand that when the storm comes and troubles come, the satisfaction of our soul crumbles. Let me give you an example. We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't reveal it to us. How Jesus, for, how Judas first connected with Jesus. Maybe it was in a, a, some, place, some synagogue that Jesus entered into and began to teach in as he traveled around uh, Galilee in the early days of his ministry. Maybe he simply heard about Jesus and the amazing things that were taking place, and Judas made his way to Galilee and began to seek him out. Maybe it was through a friend. We, we just simply don't know. What we do know is that he was from Kerioth. He, he's the only non-Galilean disciple that was chosen to be part of the 12. And what we do know is that Judas's name will always be associated with betrayal. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Judas was one of the 12 men chosen by Jesus to be a witness to his teaching and a witness to his power, to the glory of who Jesus was, to the world. When Jesus opened blind eyes, when he spit in the mud and rubbed it into the man's eyes, and he began to see, Judas was there. When Jesus laid his hands on the cripple and he rose him up to his feet and he began to walk and dance around that place. Judas was an eyewitness to that. When, G when Jesus healed the men of leprosy and 
the skin that was covered with leprosy suddenly becomes clean. Judas saw that. He was there. When Jesus cast out demons and the pigs rushed over the cliff into the sea, Judas bore witness to what had taken place. When Jesus fed the thousands, when he broke the bread and fed the thousands, Judas was there and helped pass out the food. When Jesus came walking on the water in the middle of the night, Judas was in the boat. He was there. And when Jesus spoke to the the wind and the waves, and they calmed under the power of his voice and obeyed his word, Judas bore witness to that event. And when Jesus stood outside the tomb and cried out to Lazarus to come out of the grave, Judas saw it. He saw it all. We're talking about being built to last. How much closer could a person get? How much more would you need to see to know that, Judas, that Jesus was the Son of God than what Judas saw and how close Judas got. How much more is needed to be built into your life for you to come to the solid conviction that no matter what happens in life, I know who Jesus is and I'm going to be faithful to him. And yet after all of these things, After seeing all of these things, hearing all of Jesus' teaching, being with him night and day for several years, three years walking with him, yet in the end, Judas betrayed Jesus. My friend, I want you to hear this with me today. The the root of Judas' problem was not in what he saw It was in what he didn't see. Judas didn't see himself. How we see ourselves matters. The world agrees with that. The world agrees that self-esteem is important. The world tells us that we have to believe in ourselves. The world wants to put the mantra inside of our spirit. I am somebody. I'm important. I'm somebody. I'm, I, I can do, I can, I can achieve, I can reach my dreams. We teach it to our children and we try to protect them from any discouraging word that would tell them something different. But listen, Jesus comes at us with a totally different perspective. He doesn't tell us to think of ourselves as somebody. He says, no, don't see yourself as rich. Don't see yourself as somebody. Jesus says, see yourself as poor. The word poor here is bankrupt. He says, see yourself just as flat, busted. Nothing to offer, morally destitute. Jesus turns the whole message upside down, and he says, this is how we need to see ourselves when we approach God. 
Think of the best person you know, the best person you've ever met or the best person you've ever heard of, the kindest person, the most patient person. Get, get the, who, who is that in your life? The kindest person, the most patient person you've, you've ever been around in your life. I mean, they're so consistent and so kind that, that it just kind of blows your mind when you think, of, when you think about them. Think about the person who, you know, they were, they were faithful to church, involved. Maybe they, they sang in the choir. They taught a Sunday school class. They're generous. They're just a pillar in the church. Everybody respects them and everybody knows them. The person whose, wor- whose words were really lined up, they, they, they never lied. They don't gossip. They don't slander other people. They don't blow up and use foul language. Do you have somebody like that in mind? The best person you know. The best person you know. Here's what the Bible says. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All of our works are as filthy rags. We have all sinned. And we all have a sin nature. When we try to get insight to who God is, we think about his attributes. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. We've talked about this in the last few weeks. God doesn't think like we do. God thinks differently because he knows everything. He's not trying to figure anything out. He knows everything. God is all-powerful. He can speak to the wind and waves, and they obey him. He speaks and stars spring into existence. The the nature around us and the creation around us speaks of the glory and the power of this all-powerful God. The Bible reveals to us that God is all-present. It means he's with us all the time. He knows everything about us, every hair on our head. He knows every every thought inside us. He's just mind-blowing. And when you begin to think about this ever-present, all-powerful, all-knowing God, the Bible teaches us that he is righteous. He never has a lustful thought. He never has an evil thought. He never struggles with the sin that we struggle with and the nature that we struggle with. He is a loving Father, and He is a faithful God. Now, when you take all of those attributes and all the other attributes in the Word of God that we can put into one statement, here's how we put it. God is holy. That's the sum total of all of the attributes of God. He is holy. Holy simply means set apart, totally different, totally different from us. No glimmer of lust, no slightly painted falsehood, no exaggerated story, nothing unfair, always just, always loving. And Jesus says, the person who sees himself in comparison to God and recognizes that he is poor and bankrupt. This is the man who's going to be blessed. This is the man who can have 
the soul satisfaction that comes only from the presence of God dwelling in their life. This is what Judas missed. Judas, Judas missed seeing himself. The person who has this feels and knows in his spirit that he's fallen short of the glory of God. And this is the person who can be blessed by God. Here's the, kind of the paradox. The closer we get to Jesus, the clearer we see him, the less worthy we feel in our spirit to be able to be close to him. Pride, arrogance, demands, self-righteousness, all get crushed in the presence of Jesus. When we get in the presence of Jesus, we're going to feel, we're going to realize how great he is and how poor in spirit we are, how unworthy. And it is there that we see our dependence on Jesus, and it is there that God reaches down to us and lifts us up, and we can let his glory shine through us. His glory fills us with value, but not of our own strength, but of his glory and of his presence. If we're to find soul satisfaction, we need to search for it in the presence of God because every other place that we search for it, every other place that we try to build it is nothing but building upon the sand that when the storms of life come, it's going to crumble and we're going to be left empty. But in the deepest storms of life, in the worst moments of life, when we are walking in the presence of God, we are walking with the one who can speak to the winds and the waves and they must obey him. And that, friend, is what we need to teach our children. That they become somebody when they become somebody in Jesus. That satisfaction doesn't come in the next reward that they win from the world or some way that they prove that they're better than the world, but it comes in Jesus and in who Jesus is. Listen, Jesus did not come to coddle our egos. Jesus came to resurrect our spirits, to take dead men's spirits and bring them to life in him. Jesus came so that we could once again walk in the presence of our Creator and do and be what He created us to do and to be and to find the blessing of His fullness in us. But we can't get there full of ourselves. We can't get there even partially clinging to our self-confidence or our self-righteousness. We must empty ourselves of that, and then we can find Him, and we can find Him to the full. When we come before Him knowing, when I look at His attributes and I know who He is, and I see myself clearly, now I can fall before Him righteously and say, I need you and I'm dependent only upon you. Jesus says, 
that when the person who sees that and recognizes that about himself and begins to walk through life every day without the pride of selfishness or the pride of self in their life, but just saying, God, I recognize I need you. I need you to direct my every word. I need you to direct my every thought. I need you to direct my every reaction because in myself, I am broken. It's only in you that I'm whole. So help my words in these circumstances, my thoughts in these circumstances, my life in these circumstances become right. When man begins to recognize the lust of his spirit and begins to cry out, God, heal me of this lust. Free me from this because I'm trapped in it. I can't heal it of my own. I can't deal with it on my own. I can't deal with my anger or my pride on my own. God, help me in this. It is there that man can discover the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? To the poor in spirit, comes the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean? It means we're blessed, spirit-empowered by the presence of God. What does that bring? Well, first of all, there is joy in his presence. This isn't joy because everything's going well. This is joy because we know who we serve and we walk in the fullness of his spirit. This is joy in the assurance of his power, that his promises are true. And if I live inside of the, of the responsibilities of the promise, I can count on the promise being fulfilled even when I don't see it today. This is the satisfaction of his provision because he is filling up the wants and the needs of my life, it begins to strip out of us the lust for things and the lust for pleasures. And I can walk rightly with a right soul satisfaction of provision because the presence of God is filling my soul. This is the fulfillment. In the kingdom of God is the blessedness that is the fulfillment of of purpose in our life when we discover why we were created, the gifts that we have. This is why we talk so much about going through starting point because one of the things that's going to happen in starting point is you're going to get the opportunity to begin to look and discover the gifts that God gave you because it's in the fulfillment and the use of these gifts as God develops them and grows them in you that you find the fullness of life that comes in the kingdom of God. This is the blessedness that comes from life in his will, in the center of his will, doing what he's called you to do. This is the blessedness that comes from having the right to be called, to be called the children of God. Our souls long for satisfaction. If we search for it outside of God's presence, we are only building on sand. But when we search for it in the presence of God, humbly recognizing, thinking about and being aware of the attributes of God and who He is, being in awe of His works and then seeing ourselves clearly so that we know our only hope is this great, wonderful God's grace. Grace offered to us 
Because this great, wonderful God is all loving. And in his love, he offers us forgiveness and grace through Jesus. If we search for it outside of God's presence, we're building on sand. But when we search for it in God's presence, we find the rock of our salvation. True soul satisfaction is found only in the presence of God. It is in this quest that we become built to last through a right relationship with God. Brothers and sisters, there's a picture in the Bible of two men, and they're praying. And one is, a, is described in the Bible, Jesus describes him as a Pharisee. And one is described as a poor man. And they're at kind of opposite ends of the altar. And this poor man, his heart is bowed, and he's saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. At the other end is the Pharisee, filled with his self-righteousness, filled with all of his self-satisfaction, filled with all of himself, who's looking down, the, down the, the altar and saying, God, I thank you, I'm not like that man. What's he saying? I haven't seen myself clearly. I'm seeing myself through my robes and all the things that I have on. And God, Jesus looks and says, you know which one goes away blessed by God? You know which one goes away with his prayers being answered? You know which one is pleasing to God? It's the man who sees himself clearly and recognizes who he is and recognizes his need for the grace of God. That grace is offered to us through Jesus. Jesus came to this earth for the sole intent purpose to seek and save the lost. The lost. That's how we're described. We're described as the lost. We have no way to, uh, on our own to find our way home. We need a Savior and Jesus came to be the Savior. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you've got to look your children in the eye, your grandchildren in the eye, you've got to realize they need a Savior. They, you may love them with all your heart. You may see nothing evil in them at all. But listen, down in their little bitty hearts beats a sin nature that needs to be delivered by the grace of God that needs God's Spirit to move in it. And if we don't see ourselves clearly, there's no hope of us ever walking in the kingdom of God. But when we walk in that kingdom, when we see ourselves clearly, He lifts us up. He brings us into the place of fulfillment. And He brings us into the place where we can have the soul satisfaction that comes from His presence. I'm hungry for that, aren't you? Amen. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, we pray today that, Lord, none of us would walk in self-righteous pride. Father, some of us have been followers of your Son for many, many years, for decades now. But, Lord, we recognize that the closer we get to him, the more we recognize how totally dependent how totally dependent 
we are in him. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Help us to see you clearly and not miss the great picture all around us. But help us also not to be seduced by our flesh. Help us to see ourselves clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Last night, I had kind of a fitful sleep last night. I, I guess it was about this message. I, I found my mind throughout the night. I'd w- woke up several times, and I found my mind thinking back over the years of places where, <laughs> man, I thought I was smart and I was really dumb. thought I was doing the right thing and was really doing the wrong thing. I found myself throughout the night going, God, I am so sorry. I am so embarrassed that those things are on my record. I need your grace. And thank God, no matter how bad it was, no matter what you've done, the grace of God is greater. The love of God is greater. But you have to see it clearly. And the clearer I see myself, the more I realize how much I need His grace. Boy, if I stood before Him on my own record, I would be in big trouble. But I don't have to. I get to stand before Him on Jesus' record. Amen? That's something to shout about, isn't it? That's something to be grateful for. And friend, I want to tell you today, if you've never, if you've never come to that point or you're at a point where you, you've kind of served me for a while and walked away for a while, there comes this point where you've got to look that square in the eye and say, this is who I am. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. And Jesus has offered it to me. So today... You can take that step and say, Jesus, I see who I am, and I see who you are, and I ask you with the humbleness of heart, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And believer, don't let the fact that you've lived for God for 10 years or 20 years fill you with any sort of pride. You've been able to do that because of his grace. You've been able to do that because he's walked with you. And we've done, none of this is on our own. We come to him poor in spirit, dependent upon him. Amen? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Prayer teams, would you come on down to the front right now, would you please, while we, while we talk here for a moment. If you're standing here today and say, Pastor, wow, I need a Savior. I've just become so crystal clear in my life today that today I know I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need a Savior. If that's you, you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me today? I need a Savior. Raise your hand real quickly right now in Jesus' name, and we'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you others today. You'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. God bless you others today. You'll raise your hand. This is the most most important decision you'll ever make in life, this understanding of who God is and who we are and our need to ask Christ to be our Savior. Will you raise your hand and just say, pray for me. Anyone else today? Anyone else? 
Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Let's all pray this prayer together today. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I confess my need for you. I am a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I confess him as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, again today, we just pray for every person in this room who's made a response to say, I know I need a Savior today. Many of us in this room have crossed this line and we walk in full dependence upon you. Let us never walk in selfish pride. Let us be aware of who we are. But today, Father, for anyone who's wanting to step across that line, maybe for the first time, we pray that since your grace move in their heart as they recognize who they are. In Jesus' name, amen. In the next minute, Andy's going to lead us in a song. And if you uh, raised your hand, I want to encourage you to come down and let somebody pray for you. If you have any other need in your life, any other need in your life, as, as, as others are coming, you come. Don't leave here if you've got a need in your life without letting somebody pray with you. Maybe it's a, maybe you're going through a physical need. Maybe you're just going through a, a, a personal, emotional need, whatever it might be. Let somebody have a word of prayer with you. Right now, though, as we sing uh, this song, if you have a need, you step out. And after Andy sang the song a time or two, uh, he'll dismiss you. And uh, we want you to know we love you. We want you to know God loves you. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. God bless you. Go in grace and peace. God bless.